You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. And welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays. And here with me, as always, though not exactly in studio with me tonight. A lot of things happening, a lot of things going on. But we're bringing my co-host, Justin Raffoff, in. If I can get everything working, let's pull him up. There he is. Justin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know, I've been better. I, I gotta say, um... You know, we had a rough Friday night, which we're uh, going to talk about here, but your location right now just reminds me of how rough our Saturday was. Um, yeah, I I thought, um, you know, some of the Penn State stuff in the background, including the piece that had fallen off and I just haven't put it back up yet, um, it's kind of perfect symbolism, right? So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you also sent to me... Uh, earlier today that you had changed your license plate to uh, yeah. uh, completely moving on from uh, Penn State football on to uh, the Eagles, which also unfortunate because, uh, well, the team Wilson lost to was the Eagles. So uh, some unfortunate timing in that regard. But I also shared with you leading up to that game on Friday, Justin Wilson, Cumberland Valley, that Back in the day, you know, 30 years ago, a team named the Eagles had an unusual picture or logo on their helmet. Yeah, it was uh, that was really weird. It was odd that that star. Um, honestly, if it weren't for Dallas, I kind of like it. It makes no sense. Don't get me wrong. Like, it makes no sense. But like you don't see that a lot, you know, like for for as much as you see the Eagles logo. Like in in high school, mm-hmm. like both logos. the full head logo and the wings. Yes, you don't see a lot of the um, the star. Like you don't see a lot of the star with the the like, outline star. Like the actual Dallas Cowboys star is what yeah. was on Cumberland Valley's helmets. I sent Justin yeah. a picture. I was like, not that you need any more reason to cheer against Cumberland Valley on Friday, but I did want to share this with you that a team called the Eagles is wearing Dallas star. Uh, it was wild as I was compiling the series history between Wilson and Cumberland Valley. I stumbled upon that. I think I had seen it before because it wasn't like super big shock to me, but I, it was just nothing I had ever shared with you before. And I felt like you needed to be in on that. I felt like you need that was something you needed to see. Yeah, yeah, that 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 just makes sense for the weekend. <laughs> not not a lot of things to say about that. We can we can move on here. I do want to let's quick do our our, our housekeeping here as we move on to uh, discuss the final Wilson game of the 2023 season. Uh, we want to thank the season nine sponsors here at the Bulldog Hour. I want to thank my dad, Bill Mays, and Mays Sandwich Shop, as well as White Star Tours for being the presenting sponsors here of season nine. Which I have this as the season finale, Justin, but I feel like there we might be able to eke out a few more shows. I don't know if we want to tack that on to season nine or if we want to make that the start of season 10. 
I, I know we missed an opportunity this over the summer or early this fall. To, I wanted to talk to um, the sports psychologist at Wilson. I, we mentioned that a few times over the summer. And there were a bunch of people that we had interacted with before the start of the season then during the season that we were like, man, they would be an awesome, an awesome guest. So I don't know if uh, that's something we'll do here over the next, you know, four to six weeks and, and add it to season nine, or if we'll start off, you know, kick off season 10 with that. Stay tuned. Um, season 10 is happening. I don't think Justin and I are, are going away anytime soon. So we look forward to another year of the Bulldog Hour and, and Wilson football, which will be the 80th season. And I already mentioned that the 80th season will feature an alumni flag football game that was on a, a post uh, game interview we had a few weeks ago. We talked about that, but that's all coming up here real soon. I know the Tradition Club will be start working on those preparations as soon as the new year is here. So uh, back to the, our sponsors, though, besides May Sandwich Shop and White Star Tours, I want to make sure we thank Mike Drago and MikeDragoSports.com, the Hop family, Andy Herr, and our five anonymous donors. And I, I do want to take a second and just uh, talk about the anonymous donors and keeping them anonymous because that's what, where their wishes. Although I would, I would always love if they would allow me to uh, speak their name and thank them because they've been so generous, uh, many of them for multiple years now. I appreciate that a lot. One of them actually is contributing to the show tonight. He filmed a video that we're going to use. I won't mention him by name because he <laughs> explicitly told me not to. He was like, do not say my name, um, which is fine. I will, I will respect his wishes, but we will be using that video here this evening. Um, but also one of the anonymous donors is... Um, a bit under the weather, ill right now, and I wanted to send our well wishes from Justin and I here at the show, a uh, longtime supporter, never misses an episode, and has been here with us, Justin, honestly, I think since our first year. Now, I don't, we didn't really have sponsors or, or we were taking donations the first year, but this, uh, this, this person, this individual, this family has been sort supporting us ever since we were like, hey, if you'd like to, you know, support the show feel free to do so. We would love it. And they've been with us since that. So we want to send out our, uh, uh, our thoughts to them as they recover, hopefully, uh, can feel better soon. And we send them, uh, well wishes and wish them nothing but the best in their, in their recovery. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate the support and, uh, you know, everybody send good vibes, uh, their way. Uh, that would that'll be greatly appreciated. There are a few ways you can help us here at the Bulldog Hour, like those sponsorships, advertising, and, and the in-kind donations we've gotten over the years. Uh, BulldogHour.com is another place to go. Visit the website. Check out everything that's on there. Bulldog Hour related, Wilson football related, history, heritage, stats. There's a whole bunch of stuff up there, uh, videos, pictures. It's a great place to go if you're a Wilson football fan. Also, make sure you're liking, uh, subscribing, sharing, um, rating and reviewing us on YouTube, Twitch, and on the podcatchers. And then across social media, you can take advantage of those things as well and, uh, and listen to Justin. Yeah, like and share. Um, it's a great way to spread word about the show. Um, and it helps us figure out what, what you like. I don't have a live show graphic here because I don't know when the next Bulldog Hour live show will be yet. Adam, 
at worst, it'll be the end of February. That's generally when we kick off our seasons at the Bulldog Hour. That last Sunday in February has kind of been the time. So right after the Super Bowl, a week or two after the Super Bowl is over, you can look for us to be back for sure. If it happens ahead of time, I'll make sure to post about that so you can join us in whatever interview we're discussing. Um, so, Justin, I, I threw up that home schedule, but that schedule is uh, completely over now. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're done. Ten regular seasons down. The playoff game over. Wilson coming out on the wrong side of that one. Unfortunately, it was a a tough game uh, back and forth. You know, one of those historic Wilson Cumberland Valley has been played so many times. It's certainly the most played playoff game in the biggest classification. It may be the most common matchup across all levels. Uh, I don't know for sure, but this was, I think the 14th playoff matchup between the schools. And that was the first matchup since the 2016 district championship game. And you had quite a moment again at the game, uh, which I thought for a second, you were going to pull off the prediction again, because you know, yeah. we talk all the time about you talking to me at halftime when we we're losing to the Eagles 14 to nothing at Hershey in 2016. And you just were like, hey, who we talk, who are we interviewing after the game? And I looked at you like, I don't know, man, we are not in this game right now. And four straight. And I'll use this properly, Justin, unanswered points for the Bulldogs in that one. And we came out on top, got to interview Coach Doms and talk to some some players, and it was great. And you said the same thing at halftime of this one. You uh, you gave me a final score prediction and everything. And, well, after the play I'm going to show here shortly, I kind of turned and looked at you as we were closing the gap, and, and the mojo started uh, flowing, and the momentum was in our favor. I was like, man, is he going to do this again? Unfortunately, I, it didn't happen, but I really thought I thought there was a chance. I really did. Right, right. I, the way it was unfolding, I'm like, oh my gosh, this might happen. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we we didn't we didn't get there this time. But uh, yeah, it was it was a classic four or five game. Oh, really? You know, was I, yeah. I, I I said that to you. Um, you know, and I couple things here and there, you know, and, and who knows how it turns out. Um, unfortunately didn't, didn't, didn't really, uh, go our way, but you know, that, that happens sometimes and it, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, and it, yeah, it was, it was a tough one. So I think actually coincidentally, the score was 20 to 14, which is the exact score that, the last game played between Wilson and Cumberland Valley at Cumberland Valley. That was the final score of the game uh, on, on your wedding night. Uh, What's that? When was that? Justin 2011, right? 12 years yeah. ago, it was yeah. 20 to 14. Of course, Wilson came out on top of that one. November so, 25th, by the way, like I, I do know, you that. know, you know the day. Like, yeah. 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 I wasn't, I wasn't trying to test you there, you know, um, yeah. uh, but I was trying to think of, of the year and then, you know, 2011. So 20 to 14 at Cumberland Valley, Wilson came out of top 12 years ago. This year wasn't meant to be. And uh, well, let's talk about the game a little bit here, Justin. I'm trying to pull up some stats to take a look at how, how the game went. 
it, it, was, it was a tough run from the start. You and I talked about it leading up to the game and on the way down, and even with the coaches ahead of the game, that we were going to find out pretty quickly if the if uh, the game could go in Wilson's favor. And unfortunately, it started out that we weren't we weren't certain it was going to go in our favor because it was tough to stop the Cumberland Valley offense, specifically their, that running game. That has been their bread and butter all year. Not exactly the way I think Coach Oswalt wants his offense to flow. He's more of a wider open spread throwing guy. You know, we we played and defeated his Carlisle team a few years ago. He then went to Central York and was the head coach um, for there for a number of years uh, before moving to his alma mater at Cumberland Valley. And he changed it from there. Um, you know, what the, the, the trip, the option, the midline, the veer, the, the, the big, big lines, big running teams, tough to stop, but not exactly lighting the, the world on fire because it takes a while for those drives to establish that changed, but this Cumberland Valley team was definitely ground and pound. Uh, Bry- uh, Bryce Starrett, I believe that's his name, uh, was, was a beast and he was, he was a tough, he was a tough out. He was a tough person to bring down. He ended up, ended up rushing for 138 yards and two touchdowns. So he averaged over four yards a carry, um, three, carries. I mean, it was him. They, they tried one, you know, um, like sweep or end around from Caden Pines, um, picked up decent yards, but that was it. It was Bryce Starrett's getting every other carry for them and making it count. He picked up tough yards. He picked up huge conversions. There was one we stopped him on fourth and short, or I thought we stopped him on fourth and short, and he just kept his legs pumping and was able to get the fourth down. I believe that's the same series in which that they missed a field goal, but we were called for running into the kicker, and they then went for a shorter fourth down conversion, got it, and eventually scored a touchdown, which looking back on it was – ginormous was <laughs> a huge, huge part of that game. But Starrett's yeah. was the guy uh, leading the charge as expected. And Wilson just couldn't quite do enough to stop the Cumberland Valley offense enough to let the Wilson offense give him chances. Yeah. I felt like um, every time, every time we got him into a spot where I'm like, all right, now we, now we've got a spot where we can maybe, maybe get him. He would get just enough yards or he'd get just enough that it makes it really tough on the next play. You know, like it, it was really tough. And and we had, we had some plays where we, where we'd stop him. It was really hard to stop him two plays in a row. Um, and whether that's first to second or second to third or third to fourth, you know, it's just, it, he, he was, he was really good for them. Um, and you know what? I think that's kind of what they found this second half of the year. Like you look at it, I, I mean, maybe they tried that early, but um, and maybe some of those games early in the year, that's they fell behind and you have to get away from it a little bit. I don't really know, but um, he's been their workhorse certainly this second half of the year, and you, you can see why they were they were um, they're a very good team, and yeah, I. I felt like it was a pretty, pretty evenly matched, you know, he, he had a standout game, but you know, um, just, he was, a, he and, and their team were able to make uh, just enough plays. 
Yeah, they were. Uh, it was pretty. It really is pretty evenly uh, statistically across the board. Not a, hu- a lot of huge differences. Cumberland Valley had 16 first downs to Wilson's 11 um, rushing yards. That was a big, uh, big difference in the game. Thir- only 35 for Wilson, 145 for Cumberland Valley. Passing yards, though, Wilson doubled up Cumberland Valley, 156 to 78. Wilson attempted 27 passes. I'm honestly shocked that the Eagles attempted 19 passes with the way Steritz was going. Now, maybe it's just, you know, keep the defense honest, I guess, so you can't stack the box with eight or nine defenders to try to bring down Bryce Steritz. But honestly, at times it didn't matter. He was running through and over guys repeatedly, especially at the beginning of the game and then the beginning of the third quarter, coming out of halftime for the drive to go the way it did. I feel like it went. It had to be close to a 10-minute drive to open I feel like the I third thought, quarter. I thought it was just over eight. Was it just over eight? It, it felt, it felt like they used almost the entire third quarter. And a few yeah. people on the sideline with me, as we're taking pictures, said that they're going to use the entire quarter before they score. And it, they got awfully close to doing that. Uh, they had their possession time was almost eleven, or just about ten and a half minutes more than us. So Which you think, oh, ten and a half? But when you're talking twelve minute quarters, ten yeah. and a half minutes is a lot right. of time. So it it was uh, it was it was it was. Quite, yeah, quite big. Uh, not a lot of punts in the game. Wilson actually only punted once, but Wilson also went for it on four fourth downs and was only able to convert one, whereas Cumberland Valley went for it four times and converted three of them. Well, and the one we converted, was that the fourth and 20-some when Nick ran? Yeah, right, well, one of the best plays of the So, uh, really, Wilson's superstar of the night was special teams. Wilson's yeah. special teams were fantastic. They... I would say Wilson won that phase. Unfortunately, it's only one of three phases and the other two. uh, I don't think we came out on the better end of those. We didn't put up more points in them. So I don't think offensively you can say we beat them and defensively we couldn't stop them uh, at times. We came up with a few good moments, but just not enough. But special teams, special teams were great. They, uh, They blocked a punt for a touchdown, which was huge and yeah. really kind of stopped the game from getting out of hand at, at that time. Cumberland yeah. Valley was up 20 to seven and looked like they were just going to hog the ball. And, 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 and this was it. This is the way the game was going to end. They were just going to basically run out the clock, maybe do another long drive, get another touchdown. And it wouldn't look like we put up much of a fight. But in addition to that, we had that fantastic fake punt that Nick Fiorini converted for a first down, which I think, like you said, was fourth and 20, which is that is, and it was deep in our end too. It was deep in our end of the field, a beautifully executed play, beautiful call. And they had like, they had, they weren't in a punt block, um, like a full out punt block. Like they had, they had a guy um, like 10, 11 yards back on that side of the field. And it just didn't matter. Nick, he wasn't fast enough to get Nick. Like it, it was, it was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. I really, really very much enjoyed that play uh, to keep the hopes alive. So uh, Thomas Deeds chimes in that it was a nine minute and 20 second drive. Oh, geez. So yeah, that is uh that is quite the drive for them when it, when it really mattered. So just, uh, yeah. just crazy, just crazy thing. And then we're completely glossing over something you did 100% call. Now it may yeah. have been tongue in cheek. I don't know. Cause no, it's through no, text. No, no. I, I was 100% on it because of the personal foul. Like, and we're at that position. I 100% believe in, in high school, 
well, let me rephrase that. In I have enough confidence in our team that if we're kicking off from their 45, we should onside it. Because worst case scenario, they're probably getting it around their 35, which isn't a huge difference. You know, like I'm I'm all for it. So when we were kicking off from the 45, I know Ben can kick that out out of the end zone, and that's fine. But if you're saying it's a guaranteed they get it at the 20, or there's even maybe a 35% chance, let's say one third in high school, just because it's there's more chaos in high school than there is, you know, in any other, well, I shouldn't say any other, but in the levels that are going to be higher that you're going to be watching a lot of games. Mm-hmm. So I, I put it maybe at a third chance that we can get the onside kick. I'm take, I'm rolling that third chance. Not every time, but anytime I'm kicking off from their 45, I'm probably taking. It. Well, if you're a betting man, you would have won big on that. Cause you texted that to me. Basically, as soon as we had scored and kicks extra point, you're like onside yeah. kick onside yeah. kick, do it right now. And they did. And Wilson recovered. Unfortunately, a few plays later, we fumbled and ended that. Now, you know, you can't let that take the wind out of your sails because it was kind of like you were playing with house money. You weren't supposed to have the ball. You did. It's deep in their their territory now. It sucks that you lost the fumble, but, you know, you weren't supposed to have the ball. Don't let it impact your play. Right. Um, But there's seven, seven at that point. Cumberland Valley would drive down the field and score um, before halftime. It was 14 to seven at halftime. But the the biggest thing was we needed to stop coming out of half. We needed to slow them down. And that that's what didn't happen. We already talked about that nine yeah. minute, 20 second drive to start the third quarter, getting the touchdown, making it 20 to seven. Uh, their kicking game was an issue, which, you know, you, you were like, oh, I hope that comes back to bite them. You know, right. The the missed extra point. But in the end, in the end, it didn't, unfortunately. But I do have a video here. Like I said, it is from one of our anonymous donors here at the Bulldog Hour. And I did also post this across social media after it happened, because unfortunately, I had, cho- you know, as a photographer, I'm always choosing where I'm, where do I need to stand? Where do I need to be so that I can get my camera in the right position to take a interesting picture of the events unfolding on the field. And I chose wrong on the punt. I decided to stay down closer to Edison so that I could get him fielding the punt and maybe taking off to the end zone. So I missed the blocked punt and recovery into the end zone. Thankfully, there's another photographer there for Mike Drago who who got it for him. But we also had a supporter of the show there, and he sent immediately the blocked punt by Christo Hunsaker, recovered by freshman Monty Greer for the touchdown. Huge play, huge play in the game. And uh, I'm going to show that here now as we talk about talk about uh, the play. So this is going to loop around. So if you don't see it clearly the first time and it's vertical and zoomed in, so it's a little grainy, but uh, what a play um, by, by Christo perfectly executed uh, punt block. They both chase the, the ball. There's really no Cumberland Valley guys even around uh, no. to, to do anything. This was going to be a Wilson ball the whole way. And Monty Greer is credited with the recovery and his touchdown. His first varsity touchdown comes on special teams in a playoff game. It's got to feel good as a, a freshman take, making a meaningful impact on the field. And you could just feel the energy change as soon as that happened. Yeah. 
So it was a huge play, and and it did feel like things were going Wilson's way that we were gonna uh, we were gonna be able to do something about it. And Wilson did get the ball back a couple more times and just ran out of time um, and weren't able to make the plays when it happened. But uh, thank you to the uh, the Bulldog Hour supporter and, and donor for filming this and letting me use it here on the show and across Wilson's social media. Um, he told me, he's like, I never record video of the games, but something just told me I needed to start recording. And I'm certainly glad he did. Uh, cause I, I didn't have any, any good angles of, uh, of the play in question. Yeah, um, it's pretty awesome. And I'm, I'm going to get, leave it, keep playing Justin, because unfortunately with how busy things were, well, we got home super late Friday and then I had to work on Saturday and a whole bunch of other stuff happening for you and me the last few days. I haven't gotten to work on my pictures. Um, it's also probably partial on me that I didn't make time to do it because it just means the season's over. Like it's, you know, I, I, it, it, it sucks. It does. I, it's my favorite time of the year. Cause I love taking pictures and sharing the pictures, hoping to catch, uh, the kids, you know, excitement and joy. But unfortunately I was capturing their tears and disappointment, uh, on Friday night. So oh, that was, yeah, that was, that was rough. I will, I will get to the photos, but the reason I bring that up is because, well, one people wondering where they are, they're, they're coming, trust me. And they're not going to be an afterthought. They will be posted probably tomorrow night, but I don't, because I don't have the photos. I didn't have a proper slide for player of the game, but I'm letting this video keep playing because Justin, the player of the game has got to be Christo Hunziker because that yeah. was the biggest play of the game right there. Just the 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 way that that shifted everything in our favor. Even if we you oh, know yeah. we weren't able to finish and come out on top, it gave life to the team. Who felt it felt really lifeless at that point because the third quarter we barely had the ball, couldn't get anything going. It's we're now in the early fourth quarter with there just seemed to be nothing on the sideline. Everyone was just like this is it, this is over. And all it goes to show you, even down two scores. You can make a game-changing play at any moment. You're never out of it. And that's the one thing I think we could take away from this team, especially over the la their last two games. They were never out of it. No, you know, They would no. love to say, you know, uh, things could go better because they didn't win either of those games, but they never were out of it. They just kept fighting. And this is a prime example, example number one, of this hustle play a perfectly executed punt block by Christo Hunziger. And he is our Bulldog Hour player of the game for the playoff game at Cumberland Valley. Yeah. And like you said, um, you know, kind of exemplified over the last, uh, the last two games, you know, didn't, didn't really go how we wanted them to, but um, the teams, the teams kept, the team kept fighting each time. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. It's never fun. You know, no one, no one wants to lose, but they talked a little bit about that. You know, some of them were talking about that after the game, some of the people around. That's that's the kind of crappy thing, you know. Wilson is good enough where a lot of times um, we're going to make the playoffs a lot more than not. Um, and because of that, anything short of uh, a state championship means you're walking off the field with a loss. Yeah, I, um, I mentioned that, I think, to uh... – to Joe Wolber, I said, only six teams get there end their season with a win. That that make the playoffs. I know you could win your, your last game of the year and not make the playoffs, but I don't think anyone wants that. So if you make the playoffs, the only way to end with a, a win 
is to win a state championship. There's only six of those to go around in Pennsylvania. So it's a, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to do. All right, a couple more stats here. Jackson Wagner finished out on top defensively. He had six tackles throughout the game, a half for loss. Uh, Edison Case, five and a half. Adam Woods, five and a half. Adam made a great play at the goal line. He it broke up a pass in basically in the end zone. It was right at the yeah. goal line. It would have been a touchdown, but he he dislodged the ball. I, unfortunately, they they scored a few plays later, but it was a great play by Adam, another senior. Jack Dendel, four and a half tackles. Uh, Adam Woods ha- was credited with two pass breakups. So, uh, good game all around for him. Uh, yeah, I think the other one was uh, that the big pass play right around the fifty yard line on their side. Um, I think he got credited with one there too. Uh, Derek Reiniger had a tackle for a loss. Christo had a tackle for a loss in addition to that block. Maddox had two tackles for a loss. I texted you about that uh, twice, yeah, yeah. and I, I can't remember if they were both in the first half or yeah, I think they were. I think they were both in the first half. Carmel Valley tried to run this little like wide receiver screen, and Maddox was on it both times they ran it immediately. He he shifted through the attempted block and made the play. And I I texted you and I said someone was paying attention during film study this week. Yes, he yes. knew about it right away. I mean, he's really athletically gifted, so maybe he was just able to uh, make the play without absolutely knowing it was coming. But the, with how quickly he reacted, it seemed as though he made that read because he had seen it on film. Right. Yeah. It certainly certainly appeared that way because, like you said, he he saw it and blew up and made uh, a great tackle both times. He also had uh, Wilson's lone offensive touchdown on a reception from Tommy Hunsaker in the first quarter. Um, Nick Fiorini didn't get to play a lot of defense over those last few weeks. He's dealing with an illness, but he was back on the field at the end of this game when Wilson needed a stop to even get the ball back. And Nick flew through the line and made a great uh, tackle for, for loss. Uh, so it was good to see him get that uh those uh, plays on defense. And then, like we mentioned that huge special teams play to convert once again, when the game could have basically been over, if he doesn't, he doesn't step up and uh, convert on that huge uh, fake punt. Uh, Momentum was certainly moving in Cumberland Valley's favor and uh, things shifted once he was able to do that. Let's see some offensive statistics. Nick Fiorini actually led the team in rushing because of that fake fake punt conversion for 24 yards. Corell only had four carries, 19 yards. Jackson also had two carries for five yards. And then Tommy, because of sacks, netted negative eight yards on 11 carries. Uh, He gained 36 on his carries, but lost 44 as a result of sacks. Tommy was 14 of 27, 156 yards, one touchdown. He was sacked, unfortunately, five times Jackson Wagner and Corral Akings both caught four passes for 36 and 22 yards respectively. Uh, Maddox had the touchdown one on a, a 10 yard reception. So I don't know, Justin, just again, unfortunately too many times we just felt this close just uh, so many yeah. times this season in multiple games, you know, central dolphin uh, sticks out for sure. Uh, even at times, Manheim Township just starting slow. We were able to keep pace for a while, but the slow start just doomed us. And then to, uh, Friday night again in this this season ender against Cumberland Valley, 
always seemed to be, you know, a play away, just, just slightly out of reach a few times, just, you know, one more stop on a fourth down, one more completed pass. Uh, yeah, I really felt that right near the end of the game, I think in the second to last play, if that ball is able to be a reception to Maddox, I think he, I think he might score. I, I do too. Uh, just because of his speed. I, I think he could have taken it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just, a, just a bunch a lot, of what could have been a lot of what ifs. Right. And we, we talk about that all the time. A lot of what ifs, you know, like you look back at the Roman Catholic game, not a lot of what ifs, no. right? Like, you know, but central um, dolphin for sure. Right. Right. You know, central dolphin and, yeah, those, those close ones, you just you end up with the what ifs, and hey, it it happens. It's it's not fun, um, but it's it's part of part of the deal. Yep, you, there's only so much you can tr- control, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that players and coaches look back on and wish that would have gone differently, that they could have done differently. Um, but that that's it. That's the end. Um, that's the end of the season. I'm trying to look over. I know we've been talking about some season long, you know, year to date cumulative statistics. Uh, Christo Hunsiger was the team leader in tackles for the season. He's credited with 51 and a half, as well as the most tackles for loss at nine and a half. He was the team's leader with three sacks. Uh, he's a junior. He'll be back. Cam Zulinger uh, tied for second on the team in sacks with two with Mike Glover, a freshman. Uh, Austin Valukevich had one and a half on the year, and Brady Klein had one. So the, of the that group, uh, the only one not coming back is Austin Valukevich. So um, there's there's a, a bright spot, you know, a silver lining we can look at uh, looking ahead. Some of our, uh, our defensive guys will be returning next year uh, on the edges at end and outside linebacker. Um, they, I feel like there were a lot of block kit, kicks this year, Justin, um, in our, in our favor. Yeah. I think I, it looks like looks like five block kicks. I know, I know. Um, Jonah's credited with three. I actually think he and Jack tied with two each because I believe the one at Hempfield, uh, Jack got. I have a picture of of Jack getting a piece of that one. I think in the stats here they gave it to Jonah. He's listed as having three. I think that one should belong to Jack though, but still. Christo, Jack, and Jonah all getting their hands on kicks this year, uh, which was great. And how about that one Jonah just like caught? Yeah, the, yeah. At the beginning of the year, again, changing momentum. Like Wilson was out of that game against Roman Catholic. They looked like they were going to run away with it, and Jonah just caught the the ball out of midair and took off and scored a touchdown. Um, and you know gave us an opportunity to stay in that game. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal play by him uh, all, all, all around. Uh, that, that was fun. That was uh, when that happened the first game of the year, I was like, man, we could see that a few more times this year. Didn't uh, get any huge run backs like that for touchdowns, but Christo getting the, uh, the block and then Monty scoring the other night. So two, two block kicks for touchdowns. I will, I will take that. Let's, let's see more of that. That'd be great. Uh, I think we talked about it, Justin. I think uh, Tommy Hunsaker moved into uh, second place on the single season touchdown passing record at Wilson. 
He had the one to Maddox on Friday night, which would give him 24 on the season, which means that he went and surpassed his one of his coaches, Chad Henney, had 23 as a junior in 2002. I believe the other was um, Caleb Brown, I think, who's the one that had 23 uh, in, in 2020. I think... Uh, I think that's who who Tommy passed just behind uh, Jake Templin from 2014. He had 30. So, which again, we we talked about this a number of times, but that 2020 year by Caleb is crazy. Some of the numbers he put up, only playing seven games. Yeah, well, actually yeah. less because he missed the game because he was injured. Yeah, he missed at least one, I think. So, yeah, that was quite a season from from Caleb for sure. Uh, Tommy finished with. 2,230 yards, 24 touchdowns. He averaged over 200 yards a game, 202.7, and his quarterback rating was at 172. Uh, so it'll be interesting when I can pull out the stats book and just see where all that ranks in terms of quarterbacks. Oh, actually, I have the stat book right here. So um, You I, said I, it, I forgot. and I can see it. I forgot. I forgot I brought it home. Um, see, let's see where some of those things. Where does that stand? All right. Wilson quarterbacks. Well, I don't have the career quarterback rating. I have the career yardage here, though. So 2,230 career yards gets him. Oh, no, that's not career because he threw for, what, almost 1,100 last year. Yeah. So I think he's going to fall just short of Eric Hetrick at five. I think he's going to be like 3,300-some. Uh, so he he jumped past Tony Sapolo. He should be sitting alone in sixth for that let's see some single season information here quarterback rating in a season right, he's going to be what did i say 172 he's gonna be third on that list uh behind sapola and hectric as well and he'll just pass caleb brown uh for that passing yards 2,230. He is second place. He passed Seth Klein, but fell just short of Zach Zweizig, who had 2,326. So he was 96 yards away from tying Zach Zweizig for most passing yards in a season. So, I mean, we said it multiple times. Tommy Hunziger had a fantastic year. Uh, he was uh, one of the toughest kids out there every game uh, and and really kept things going, both with his arm and his legs. Uh Great to have him for two years and wish him nothing but the best uh, at basketball and then uh, certainly in baseball this spring. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, Justin. Uh, you know, yeah, I, don't, was, I don't know uh, how much we want to talk about 2024. I feel like it's probably something we save for February. Um, yeah. At least, at least player wise, you know, things like that. There's a, a few things bouncing around out there for a schedule next year. I know that's not finalized yet. So I don't know if we want to dive into that until things are concrete. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, there's so many unknowns there. Yeah. But. So there's uh, currently an opening uh, game one. Uh, I think that's August 23rd would be the game. It does not appear Wilson will be renewing with Roman Catholic, so that leaves the opening game open. Game two will be at Central Dolphin. Game three is open. I do not have a, a replacement for this year was Cheltenham, had been MLK. Don't know what's happening there yet. 
And then the league schedule is set. I believe it is just going to flip-flop what it was this past year and two years ago. Same opponents. Section 1's not changing with classifications or realignments. It's the same teams as it has been the last two years. So it probably would just make sense to keep the schedule the same. I don't know why you would move those teams around just to why create issues with scheduling when you don't need to. And the biggest thing I think Justin to come out of this near end of season stuff was that the LL league is instituting mandatory Thursday, Saturday games for each section, you know, one week each section has to play their games on Thursday or Saturday instead of Friday because of the official shortage. Uh, which is unfortunate because it throws off schedules. People don't like that. But if you don't have the people to officiate the games, you don't have much of a choice. For section one, that is going to be in week four, which is our game against Reading High. And it's to be at Reading High. So they're the ones in control of determining when that game will be played on Thursday or Saturday. I'm fairly certain that it is going to be scheduled for Thursday. At least that's the way the athletic department seems to think it's going well, to be. I I also wonder if Albright is home that week. It is. Oh, then it certainly won't be on Saturday then. Yeah. So that might be the determining factor all around. So giving you a lot of notice, actually literally 10 months notice to the day, because on September 12th, 2024, <laughs> September 12th, 2024, if you want to watch the Wilson football team play Reading High, you're going to have to do it on Thursday. That's where it's, when it's going to be. I know there's been some people talking about like it doesn't it's not right, it doesn't make any sense, player safety. If you don't have the officials, it doesn't matter. And right. I the player safety thing falls short on me because we see weird weeks all the time because of weather. Right. It, it is this it is what year, it is. Wilson played this past year Wilson played a uh, new opponent on Saturday. Also played them Monday and then had to play again on Friday. Right. It it, it just happened. It's not like we're asking them to play Wednesday and Friday or Thursday and Saturday. There's games in between. It is what it is. Obviously, player safety is very important. That's literally why we didn't play an opponent this year because they weren't able to practice because of excessive heat in Philadelphia. So it's certainly at the top of a lot of people's minds, but. You also need officials to play football games, and there just aren't enough around. So Wilson, like every LL team next year, will be playing either a Thursday or Saturday game. It looks like it'll be a Thursday, and that's game four, the first game of Section 1 play at Reading. So Also, uh, the possibility that... Um Mifflin may be a 6A team next year. Yeah, so that was the next place I was going to wrap things up here to to get our hour in. Um, the, the, the PIAA does a new classification alignment every two years. It's still six classifications. It's just how many teams are in each classification. The biggest thing that's changing this year is each school district now has to count the entire population that is not physically in their school but but lives in the district that goes to virtual learning remote learning technical trade schools but are still part of their district so this this you have to count 100% of those now the old rule was 10% so if you have 100 kids that do that the virtual learning um all those different options if you had a hundred kids going 
that route, you only counted 10 against your athletic numbers when they're calculating that with the rest of your enrollment from grades nine to 11. This, this year though, you're counting all of those. So all of a sudden you're adding 90 more kids. If you are a school that has a hundred of those uh, virtual homeschool learners that could bump you up a classification. It also depends on co-op numbers. That's not new. That's always happened, but you get 50% of the enrollment for the school that you're co-oping with. Well, if they're now counting more, virtual or homeschool people, your co-op number is now going to jump up. Even though you're only counting 50%, 50% of a bigger number is a bigger number for you as well. This is high level math here, Justin. I was going to say math is math. (laughs) Let's make the show a few times. And according to preliminary numbers, this has not been officially released by the PIAA. That'll be coming in in the next two to three weeks. Uh, but Mike Drago has the enrollment numbers for Burks and Lancaster Lebanon schools, the numbers that were submitted to the PIAA. And the classification parameters came out about a week or so ago. And you can put two and two together. If you have the parameters of this number and above is 6A, you can figure out if you have those enrollment numbers, like Mike does, who's going to be in what classification. The biggest thing is it appears that 6A, which had... I think it's 19 schools this past two-year cycle that is ending at the end of this school year. Starting with the fall of 2024 and continuing through the spring of 2026, so the 2024 and 2025 football seasons, 6A will be jumping up in District 3 from at least 19 teams to 21. And the two additions in the L.L. Burks area will be Governor Mifflin, I think, quite reasonable to say that that's a 99.9% certainty because there are multiple kids above the threshold. The threshold is 620 uh, male enrollment from grades 9 to 11, plus your co-op, which Will doesn't doesn't have, plus your homeschool virtual people. Uh, Wilson was always going to be 6A. That was never going to change. But Mifflin has been down at 5A for a while now. Actually, I think ever since 5A became a thing in 2016, so they're jumping up, but also it appears, and this one, is, I, I don't want to say this one is definitely happening. It appears that way. Remember what I said, the cutoff 620 and above is 6A. Exeter reported an enrollment of 619.5. The 0.5 comes from their co-op with Antietam. According to Mike Drago, the PIAA, one of their directors, said they round that number up. They do not they not leave it at, at the half. So Exeter's enrollment figure will be exactly 620, which is the cutoff for 6A. Making them the smallest 6A school. The smallest 6A school. So we'll see when PIAA comes out because there's schools can challenge that and make a case and and there's all kinds of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So we'll see when it's officially released. But by the numbers, Mifflin and Exeter should jump up to 6A. Why does that matter for Wilson? It doesn't really matter for Wilson. It's just interesting if you're a high school football fan, especially in Lancaster, Lebanon well, League, Burks, and District 3. But what it Mifflin, means is... The Mifflin one could matter. because well, That's ranking, true. That's so. true. The Mifflin one matters for us because we get a bump in power rating points now for playing Mifflin especially if we would win that rivalry game. That's a power rating bump that this year would have had us hosting Cumberland Valley on Friday. 
and would have closed the gap even with the three seed because of the the power rating bump by beating a fellow 6A team. So Justin's absolutely right. Wilson Mifflin is even more important now than it has been the last few years since the six classifications went into effect before the 2016 season because Wilson Mifflin now gives us more an opportunity for more power innings points. We could also now meet Mifflin in the playoffs. And now we can also meet Exeter in the playoffs if they are indeed 6A. And like I said, that'll be out in the next two to three weeks. And that's something we can update everyone on the next Bulldog Hour, be that uh, uh, probably no later than the end of February 2024. So it will be interesting. I know, I think two times ago, Mifflin missed out on 6A by one male student. And I, I remember posting about that, that Mifflin was almost, you know, a 6A school that we would have gotten more power rating points for and could have played in the playoffs, but they were one student short. Now it looks like they're moving up to 6A and Exeter might be right behind them. There's a chance that the Mid-Penn or York schools could also see someone bump from 5A to 6A, which would make 6A playoff uh, availabilities up to 22 or 23 schools. And there's a chance if that happens that you could see the playoffs increase from eight teams to maybe 10 teams. So you could see that would, I believe, would give the top six seeds a bye, and then seeds seven, eight, nine, and 10 would play each other in the first round. So that, that, that I have no idea if that's on the table. It's something uh, that could happen, though. It'd be tough to take only eight teams if you have, you know, 23 teams. Uh, competing for spots. That's a lot of teams to leave out. And it's what we've seen, you know, down in 5A, there were a ton of teams and they take a lot more teams in their playoffs because of it. All right, Justin, anything else to add about the schedule, the classifications, the season at all? No, it, it was, it was fun. Um, you know, it, it's tough at the end. You know, we, we talk about how it's not, not as much fun to do the show on, on, after losses. Um, no, it's definitely not. That, that's especially true after the last one. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it's tough. And I, I texted, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe some years it's just different, but I don't know. This year it was, it was tough at the end. Maybe because I feel like I know a lot of the kids a little bit better this year. I've had a lot of them in class. I, you know, helped coach some of them. Just, I don't know, known a lot of them multiple years, just seeing, seeing the pain, that they're going through at that time is, is tough. And, yeah. you know, cause there's nothing you can do, Mm-mm. you know, there's nothing you can do for them. It's just something that they have to kind of process. And yeah, it's tough. You, you don't want to see that, you know, but that's, that's, like I said, that's, that's part of the deal. And, you know, I kind of look at it, you know, that's, I don't it, It's different as fandom, but we started the show talking about how like it was a rough sports week, but like, caring so much is what makes the highs so awesome. You know, like, like caring a lot is what makes the highs great, but it's also what's going to make the lows not great. And you know what? I, I wouldn't trade it. Um, it. It's, it's a lot of fun and we enjoy, you know, we, we do this every year too. Uh, we enjoy, um, you know, the access that the coaches and players um, you know, afford us and being able to be so close to that. Um, is is a lot of fun throughout the season, uh, honestly, throughout the off season and then through the season. Um, so I think I think that adds to it too. Just I said, like I was I was disappointed, but like I was disappointed 
for the kids. I felt so yeah. bad for the kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Friday. It's it's so. tough to see them all upset, and you know we can put ourselves in our own shoes. Um, you know, we all had high school careers come to an end, whether athletically or something else. There was always a last uh, game, a last performance, um, a last class. Uh, it it comes to an end, and it's 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 it sucks. Um, but you're right. It, it was a, it was a special group of kids. They're 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 a lot of fun to watch. It's been great watching them uh, get get bigger and better and and move on to even uh, better things as they uh, graduate from Wilson. This this group, uh, you know, what was it? Six months from now or so, a little little more, I guess. So yeah, and then not yeah, much more though. Not much more. It's going fast, but it's going they're, fast. They're moving on to uh, to winter sports start this Friday. Uh, basketball and wrestling and and swimming and diving. Um, trying to think what else is happening that the that the uh, the football players might be involved in. Some of them do indoor track. Indoor track, that. yep, indoor track. And then in the spring got baseball, lacrosse, track and field. Um yeah, so volleyball, boys volleyball. Boys volleyball's in the spring, that's right. So uh, a lot of opportunities to see these student athletes uh in person and playing in other sports, maybe some sports that they are uh, like even more than football. Uh, I, I know we said uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of football players on the bas- basketball, wrestling, lacrosse, and baseball teams for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you can see a lot of these guys uh, continue as they finish their Wilson education and before they move on, a lot of which have committed to play athletically at their, uh, their college of choice. So there's a lot of great student athletes at Wilson. So take advantage, go check them out this winter and spring. And before you know it, Justin, I'll be back talking about the 2024 Wilson football season, which will be season 10 for us, Justin, 10 years of the bulldog hour. That's wild. Yeah. It's going to be great. A lot of fun. Uh, 80th season of Wilson football. So we already said we're doing that alumni flag football game. So 2024 shaping up to be a great one as well. And Justin, and I will be back to talk about 2024 in, I'll say about in about three months. I don't know. Maybe we'll sneak something in earlier. Maybe we'll kick off season 10 in January or something. It just depends on our schedules and the way uh, other things are going. But if you don't want to wait that long to hear Justin and I talk about stuff, you can join us in this same time slot, Sunday nights at 830 on our regular show that we started, which will be Justin. We're celebrating our 13th anniversary for that show in February That's this crazy. year. 13 years of the Joe Mays and J-Raff show where Justin and I mostly talk, talk about pro football. Um, generally, we like to talk about Penn State, but certainly not today. And we cover a few other things as well, but it's mostly mostly pro football. But uh, in the spring, we get to have fun previewing baseball and, and watching March Madness. And we've been playing through uh, NCAA football on Xbox 360 because oh, yeah. we don't have anything else to play because that game's been gone for a decade now, but we'll be coming back this coming summer. So looking, looking forward to 2024. I hope, I hope it's a great one. Um, but yeah, Joe Mays and JRF show, check us out on across social media. You can listen to us talk about other things not related to Wilson football, although Wilson comes up quite often on that show as well. It, so. it works its way. In yeah, of course it does. So, all right, Justin. Well, thanks again for joining me, not only tonight, but for this entire season nine. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, 
can't wait to do it again real soon. So, yeah, absolutely. all right. I think that's it for us for episode 16 of season nine of the bulldog hour season finale. We'll be back again real soon, but I think that's it. I think we're, we're getting out of here. Thank you. One more last time to our season nine sponsors, the presenting sponsors, May sandwich shop and white star tours. And as always to Mike Drago, make dragosports.com, the hop family, Andy, her and our five anonymous donors. All right. Signing off for one last time here in 2023 for Justin Raffoff and the entire Wilson football program. I'm Joe Mays. And remember, until next time, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.